But the system said, no, that rule that you found, that truth does not apply. You do not apply. And I'm going to crush that from you. Welcome back, everybody, to No Script, an unscripted conversation about theater's best scripts. I'm Jacob Mann Christensen. And I am Jackson Nikolai. Thank you all for tuning back in this week. We have just finished a month of themed plays around one-person shows. It was a great ride, and uh, thank you all for all your engagement and listening to those shows. It was a fun time. We're excited to be jumping back in this week to full-length plays again. Right, yeah, it was it was an adventure to see the really different worlds of all these one-person shows and, and how distinct all the scripts were and find the things that tied them together besides just there being one actor on stage, but it is a nice, refreshing thing to come back to a play with more than one actor involved yeah. <laughs> in the telling of the story. Uh, not as many characters as some of those scripts. I think we made that joke last week that uh, yeah. many of those scripts had more characters than almost any play I've ever read. <laughs> but <laughs> this play that we're talking about today includes a, just a whole cast of uh, of actors, not just one person and it was a it was a nice script to come back to after the one person show month because it's the kind of script that is an ensemble show. It really right. is a show about the group of people, which is such a breath of fresh air after shows about the one. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I agree. It's it's definitely has that kind of feel of everyone kind of feeding off of each other and uh, and and bringing around the story. We are talking today about Schoolgirls or the African Mean Girls play by Jocelyn Bio. That's right. You may have heard of this script, even though it's relatively new because it's kind of the all the rage script right now among off Broadway regional theaters. Uh, it just recently came out just a few years ago, and it's been playing all over. I. I I drew the context straw today, so I'll be talking about this when we get there. But um, places like the Goodman just recently tried to do a production before uh, the the quarantine time shut them down. So this is a script you may have heard of. And in fact, you may have even bought tickets to the Goodman's online production earlier. I wish that I had. It did not work out with my schedule. But uh, now that I've read the play, I especially wish that I had. Right, right. Especially if they were to bring it back to the Goodman after after this season. However that goes, it'd be really good. I, it's... The Goodman is is within uh, driving distance for me, easy driving distance for me. So after having read the play, I'm definitely going to be looking looking to go see it. But before we hop into that conversation, and even before we hop into the Patreon conversation, we have a couple of exciting announcements about the comings up on No Script. The first of them involves the next two episodes after this one. We are trying something in our programming that is a little bit fun and is is sort of specific, um, but it, we, we couldn't not do it given the scripts that we were looking at talking about this season. We couldn't not place these two scripts next to each other. So in the next two episodes, we are going to be talking about A Doll's House by Henrik Ibsen, because of course A Doll's House 
is a hugely famous play, an awesome script. Ibsen is Ibsen. So, right. you know, we, we're always looking to do great classic scripts, great contemporary scripts. So we're, we're doing A Doll's House just purely for that reason. And totally separately, purely for the reason of it being a great script, a very popular script right now. Another one of those kind of sweeping the nation plays. We're talking about A Doll's House Part 2 by Lucas Nath. Now, we couldn't talk about those two plays and not stick them right next to each other. Absolutely not. No, no. So we're going to do that uh, these next two weeks. You can, you, can, you can plan on that if you want to buy the scripts and read along with us. But we're going to be going through each of those two scripts in order um, and, and, and dealing with uh, kind of having a two-week conversation almost in, in some ways because they're obviously uh, A Doll's House Part 2 is very informed by A Doll's yes. House. So. <laughs> so. And then after that, we, that'll be our special guest episode. So we, those who know and love no script, thank you for knowing and loving no script. But also you yeah. will know that we have a special guest about every season where we try to take a break from it just being Jackson and I talking. And either Jackson or I host a guest for the show. So that one will be Jackson. Jackson will be hosting a guest in a couple of weeks from now. So keep your eye out for that. That's a great episode to jump in on. They're usually very fun conversations, very different perspectives. So keep your eye on that. And then the last announcement is just that Pretty quickly after that is the end of season five. Boy, wow. <laughs> this year has just like flown by. So we'll be taking off uh, some time after season five. I think that's in December. So we'll be able to have some time to kind of reset and get the creative energy flowing again for season six, which will be coming. Have no fear. Um, but we'll be taking a, a bit of a break over the, the holiday season to uh, to reset a bit. So uh, get Whew. ready for that time. Yeah. Yes, we made yeah. it through all those announcements. That's Boy. more than typical for us. We've got some exciting but- things coming. That's not the end of things, though, because I do want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to those who know and love NoScript and who have gone onto patreon.com slash NoScript and been have been a part of making the show possible. Uh, those of you who know the show know that we love doing this show. Uh, alas, the endeavor is not free. Um, and uh, there are some various costs associated with running the show. And everyone over on patreon.com slash NoScript podcast helps out so much with making those costs uh, doable for us, for the hosting of the podcast, for the buying of the scripts. And and it's just it's just a great way to stay involved in the community of NoScript as well. We have patron-only posts over there on patreon.com slash NoScript and, uh, and different ways for you to interact over there. So if you're looking for a way to get involved with the show, be a part of the community of NoScript podcast, head on over there. You'll see a bunch of different tiers of membership and patronship. And uh, the lowest tier is just, just for $1. So over the course of a year, that's $12 if you think about that so uh if, if if you're looking for a way to help out the show it's a great way to do it head on over to patreon.com slash no script podcast and we will see you over there big thank you to everybody who's already been over there we love you we need you to keep the podcast going you're great and now back to the script here we go all right Schoolgirls or the African Mean Girls Play by Jocelyn Bio. If you don't know Jocelyn Bio, she is a Ghanaian American playwright. She grew up in Washington Heights. She's also an actor. Uh, those who know and love the script Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime, she was an actor in that initial Broadway run of that show. 
Um, as a playwright, she's a resident playwright at the Lincoln Center, and she was she has a couple different playwright in residence kinds of things as part of her career. And when this script was developed at the MCC Theater in New York City, she was the Tao playwright in residence with that theater. So my understanding is that this script came about as part of that playwright in residence process. So the script premiered MCC is an off Broadway theater 2017. It played again off Broadway at the Lucille Lordle Theater in 2018. And then since then, it has just kind of exploded across, especially the American regional theater scene. Regional theaters like the Portland Center Stage had it. Uh, Kenny Leon's True Colors Theater Company in Atlanta had it through. And then, as I teased earlier, the Goodman attempted to do a production in the late winter, early spring of 2020. And I think we all know what happened in the late winter, early spring of early 2020, and probably for the Uh rest of our lives we'll remember the late winter, early spring of 2020, when the world (laughs) and theater sadly shut down. And that shut down the Goodman Theater's production. They did put up a filmed version of that stage production, which you could watch for a little bit of time after that. You had to buy tickets to it. Um, I, I don't really have a sense of how widely it was watched, but... That was available to watch, but they are planning to, the, the, you know, they've technically postponed it and are planning to represent it as part of the next season, whenever that is. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Your fingers crossed that it's sooner rather than later, but Amen. yeah, who knows? <laughs> so, so jumping into the conversation around the script itself, I'm going to try to synopsize it just a little bit for you. Um, as you probably guessed from the title, it is kind of riffing on the Mean Girls movie a little bit. Um, it, it uses some of the uh, tropes from that film, but also uh, casts them in a completely different light from the film. So, so keep that in the back of your head as we go through the uh, the play itself. The play takes place in Ebri, in the Ebri Girls Boarding School, which is located in the Ebri Mountains in central Ghana in the year of 1986. And uh, this school is run by headmistress Francis, and uh, right away we meet the girls at this school. Um, the girls uh, who, who are at the school at the start of the show are Paulina, Ama, Nana, Mercy, Gifty, and, uh, and, and that's it for the start of the show. There's one more character who shows up partway through. They're going, they're, uh, the, the two oldest girls are Polina and Ama. They're 18 years old. And Polina is kind of like the, the queen bee of the school. She runs this group of friends. She, uh, uh, is, is often, uh, the center of attention in this group of friends. And we see right away some of the dynamics back and forth. Um, she is, uh, good friends with Ama, who I've already talked about, who's the other 18 year old, the other oldest in the group. And they've been friends for a long time and, uh, it's starting to deteriorate a little bit. You can we we see them kind of uh, spiral during the play. Um, the inciting incident of the play, if you will, is that the beauty pageant is coming to the school. The uh, Miss Universe pageant is happening soon, and uh, f- before the Miss Universe pageant, um, uh, Ghana is going to have their Miss Ghana pageant. And so all the students in the various uh, school districts are are doing the pageant and trying to be selected to go to the Miss Ghana pageant. So that begins to kind of stir up the group. They're all getting ready for this pageant that's coming to town. 
And then on the day, basically, that they find out that it's coming to town or, or very soon before, um, another person comes to the school. And that's Erica. Erica Boafo is a, a new person to the school. And it's sort of notable that she's new to the school now because school session has sort of already started. And the understanding that we get from the small group of the girls, I think the school's full of other girls, but we just meet this group of friends or this pack of them, is that the it, it's odd for someone to have to come to the school, which is a fairly elite um, school, well-known, great education. So it's odd for a student to start partway through the semester. Right, right. And it's and it's just odd for a friend group as well to have her kind of land in. She's brought in by headmistress Francis to be introduced to the group. And uh, Francis kind of asks uh, them to take care of her. Now, there is there's something of, of note about Erica as she comes in, whereas all the other students are from Ghana and are, are black. Um, she comes in and she is a, a kind of a fair skinned girl. Um, she says that she's from Ghana. Her her father uh, is is the owner of a big uh, cocoa company in in Ghana, and uh, she but but she her her skin is a, a lot lighter than the other uh, of the girls, and there's the the other girls notice that as she enters in. Um, she jumps into the group. There's lots of interesting group dynamics with her arrival. Um, she is. She says that she grew up in Ohio, so uh, she has some context for some of the things that the girls are talking about because they're talking about uh, Paulina's especially aunt who's shopping for dresses for her over in, in America or who works at uh, a, a, a palatial restaurant, she says, and we find out that that palatial restaurant is White Castle. So so there's, there's, there's some uh, knowledge that Erica has that's threatening to Paulina. Erica knows that White Castle is a fast food restaurant and Paulina didn't necessarily know that beforehand, or at least she was lying to the group and making them believe that it it was a nicer, a nicer restaurant. So into this mix, Erica joins the group and the pageant happens. She's a threat to Paulina's uh, kind of uh, queen bee-ness. And uh, so Paulina tries to take her down. There's a lot of politics around that. Paulina gets Nana to uh, steal Erica's file. And in that file, Paulina learns that Erica is really not from Ghana. She was born in the U.S. Um, her father is uh, the owner of the choc- the cocoa company, so she has ties to Ghana, but it's it would it would technically disqualify her from the beauty pageant is the is the important uh, plot point out of that. Um, which all explodes in the pageant itself as uh, Erica is kind of outshining Paulina in the pageant and really everyone else through the songs. And and also there's th- part of what this play deals with is colorism and the perception that the girls have of Erica as a result of that and the perception that another character who I haven't mentioned yet, who is Eloise. Eloise is the judge from the pageant who's come and she won Miss Ghana back in like 1960-something, uh, and uh, so she's there to judge the girls and figure out which one she wants to bring from this school to the pageant. And she right away focuses on Erica because of what she calls her more universal appeal. And of course, she's talking about the color of her skin. Um, so so there's there's that aspect that all comes to, to uh, a head in the pageant itself or the audition itself. Uh, it dissolves into just a, a fight between Paulina and Erica. And uh, it, it has to be dealt with in the in the play. They have a, a moment where the teacher makes them kind of 
move on from it. And eventually the, the pageant continues. Erica is selected. She goes on to the Miss Universe pageant. She wins Miss Ghana, goes on to the pageant. And the final scene of the play is all the girls who are still at the Ebry School watching the pageant and uh, watching the top 10 selection from the beauty pageant and wondering if Erica is going to get it or not. And she does not. She does not receive a nomination into the top 10 for the Miss Universe pageant, which is taking place over in Florida. And so they're, but they're, they see her on the TV. They see her for a moment. Um, but it's only for a moment. It's for a brief second. And then uh, that's kind of where the play ends is, is with them uh, turning the volume back. They turn the volume down to kind of process that moment, turning the volume back up and continuing to watch the beauty pageant. And it's a big deal that she didn't end up placing in the pageant. The stakes are so high for that because of everything that that happened, all the work that was gone to, all the strife and the conflict and the drama that was gone to, all the colorism that they fell back on in order for the goal of Eloise the Recruiter as a representative of the Miss Ghana pageant is to get uh, a Miss Ghana to at least place, preferably win the Miss Universe contest. And their goals are very noble in that sense in some ways of, you know, wanting good representation for West Africa. African countries and things like that, but they believe that, the, or at least you know, in in the story that Jocelyn Bio tells, they they believe that choosing a fairer skinned woman will help them win in that circle. And so, obviously, because of the racism of the pageant and things like that, and so there's so much strife gone to for that to be the outcome and, and, and for what happens to be nothing. You know, I think Paulina ends the show by saying basically all this, it was all for nothing. Right, right. Yeah. The, 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 the goals of each of these characters are so, so distinct that you, you, each of them wants to push for this pageant for a lot of reasons, um, and are willing to go to extraordinary lengths to, to get it, especially the girls, especially Paulina. Paulina is, is, uh, throughout the play kind of feeling her grip on the group lessening. And, uh, and then also her hopes of getting uh, into the Miss Ghana pageant lessening. And not only that, but her hopes for sh- her kind of career ho- hopes are to be a model and to kind of use this to springboard off of that into, into a career choice. And she, um, she uh, puts herself through a lot in this play to try to get that. She's very mean to the other girls, but very she's mean also to the other very, girls. very mean, <laughs> <laughs> but she, she puts herself through a lot to the, to the extent that, uh, I mean, a major plot point is that she's using this cream to try to lighten her skin, um, to, to try to compete with Erica's lighter skin. And we find out that she's done it, done it before as well as a result of this. To the, to uh, the co- point where she was hospitalized, the, the, the cream yeah. that she uses is like a, a bleaching cream to lighten her skin, which is apparently quite dangerous and can lead to sores and blisters and bleeding. And we learn across the course of the play that she has previously been using the cream to the point where she was hospitalized a number of times, um, but is still using it as the day of the audition for the pageant draws near. Right, right, which, which, which speaks into this uh, this this broad theme in the play. This is I mean this is a play about girls in school and a beauty pageant, but it's also a big play about the colonialization of Ghana and the the uh, the, the colorism as we talked about and the racism that is inherent in in beauty pageants and public perceptions of beauty. 
So I want to read you the playwright's note that Jocelyn Beale gives at the beginning of the play because I do think it provides a really interesting context for what this play is, why this play is, um, and also it, it sets up one of the things that I just love so much about the play. Um, I'm just I'm going to skip through. If, if you have the script and you're like, you didn't read the whole thing, that is true. I'm just sort of skipping through and summarizing different parts <laughs> and, I'll, and I'll read different parts. So this is the note that is included at the beginning of the script or parts of it. In 2011, the Miss Ghana pageant officials, in an attempt to become the first West African country to have a viable and perhaps winning contestant in the Miss Universe pageant, named uh, a name that I I will have trouble pronouncing. Uh, It was an American-born, Minnesota-raised biracial woman, the winner of the Miss Ghana pageant. Officials claimed that her father was from a specific region in Ghana, but never confirmed his name or whereabouts before choosing her to be a Miss Ghana pageant contestant. Uh, This woman apparently beat out two of Ghana's most famous models at the time. Her name, her middle name was Erica. Erica went on to the Miss Universe pageant that year where she did not place. And then the note from the playwright, I thought this story was pretty damn interesting. So I wrote a play inspired by it. I am fascinated by that context of the story, that this play, which is fairly comic, painful at times, but sort of funny throughout, um, it's it's kind of a genre play, you know, it references Mean Girls even in the title, it, it it's about pageants, it's about dresses, it's, you know, all this stuff in it, but it is inspired by, and frankly, fairly specifically based on, right. this true story. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's a, fa- a fascinating true story, and then to have it kind of really contextualized for us and and brought to earth, right? Because you know maybe in 2011 you might have noticed this article somewhere if you were paying attention to the Miss Universe pageant or something like that, um, but you wouldn't know uh, kind of the specifics of of like what happened when she you know when 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 Erica went to Ghana and had to kind of live through the moment of getting into the pageant with a school and 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 adding the extra aspect of well what was it like for her in school when that happened and i've said a number of times on the podcast how much i love adaptive work i love watching i love reading and engaging with stories based on other stories and seeing how the writers and directors and actors take other stories and turn them into new stories and experiences it's just one of my favorite things about art in general and so to have that note at the beginning of the script for me makes the reading experience of the script so much more interesting and it 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 kind of grounds a story that maybe could seem um, almost like it could be made. You know, this is a story that seems like it could be made up. You know, there's pageants yeah. and, and a private school in the mountains and these girls that fight at the school and are angry with each other. But the the core of the story that a fair-skinned Ghanaian woman was chosen, even though she didn't really have great Ghanaian roots and she went on to Miss Universe pageant and didn't even place despite all that, that that core part of the story is true. And, and really, that is the core of the play. Right, right, and 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 it, it just humanizes the moment, kind of stretches it out within within the within the concept of like cafeteria banter, right? Because that's where much of the play takes place is in the cafeteria as these 
girls kind of negotiate for power, negotiate for their voice being heard. Um, and, and much of that negotiation winds up centered on Paulina because at the start of the play, at least, she's holding most of the cards. Right, um, she- yeah. Paulina is the leader of this group of friends, the popular one. All the stage directions say, like, she's run the school for forever. And then she actually claims that much later on in the play. I run this school. And as we sort of chuckled about earlier, she is very mean to her well, yeah. friend. I mean, almost unbelievably mean <laughs> to these girls who she really needs to have hang around her. Right, right. No, no. It's, I mean, yeah, the, let, let, let's kind of get that out of the way first. Like some of the, the meanness that she does, uh, she... She like she makes fun of Nana for her weight through the whole play, um, and eventually ostracizes her because of her weight. She doesn't want to be associated with with her, and and um, especially in the context of the beauty pageants, and and she manipulates her through that through. Um, uh, knowing that she hides food to eat during class, um, she uh, forces her to go and steal the document that she eventually finds out that Erica is from from the states with. Right, um, and, so- and that that attack, that teasing, it really gets into bullying, is how the play begins, which is not a great look for Paulina (laughs) to start the show. I mean, the first line of the show is, seriously, Nana, after all I've said, you're still eating porridge. And it goes on into a scene that's, you know, page and a half or so of Paulina leading basically the other girls in the group to pretty ruthlessly needle Nana for her constant snacking. Right. Right. Yeah. And that, and, and that certainly, that doesn't end for, for much of the play. Um, she, she is, she continues to push at, at Nana. She pushes at Ama. Like it's, it's a secret. Like I feel, I feel a little bit like we're, we're, we're sussing out what like many people experience in high school. <laughs> So it's not like this is an economy of secrets, right? Like it's all these secrets that Paulina has over people. She knows that Nana has insecurities around her weight. She knows that Ama has a a perception of this boyfriend that she can, that's uh, like Paulina's essentially insinuating she's punching well above her class with her boyfriend and must be keeping him somehow. So you must be having sex with him. Um, And, and so she's, she's spreading those rumors around rumors and lies and secrets um, and and Polina kind of holds all of those cards because of her kind of uh, ongoing contextual power in the system. And the system is, of course, a school. And that is where the play is part of and a commentary on this genre. And, and, and that's reflected in the title, of course, Schoolgirls or the African Mean Girls play. And... There are some more specific, like, Mean Girls allusions to the actual movie and the story, the fact that it's about a group of girls at the head of this group of sort of mean, bullying girls is a very mean, bullying girl who's also mean and bullying to her friends. I mean, that's a fairly specific allusion to the situation in Mean Girls and a new kid comes to school. But it also is just more broadly a reference to these sort of teenage mean comedies where, like, kids and their power relationships in a school setting are kind of the basis of the comedy and the drama. Now, the thing that kind of switches it up, at least for me, is that almost always you kind of have this catharsis 
in those mean mean uh, children plays, mean girls plays, where um, you're pretty glad to see the main antagonist go down. I you are you are you are speaking wisdom, Jackson, because <laughs> the one of the genius things about this play is the way that. Jocelyn Bio subverts the traditional protagonist antagonist roles in teenage mean stories. Take Mean Girls for example. I don't know Mean Girls very well. I'm going to speak very generally, but this is what I, I don't. So I don't know any of the characters' names. I don't know anything about that. All I know is the general situation, right? Which is new kid comes to school. She's very kind. She's very different. She's from out of town, and she kind of gains popularity and friends through a winning personality and she's the good guy and then on the other side very mean uh, uh, popular girl uh, wins friends through kind of fear control tactics and she's the bad guy and at the end of the movie you're really excited to see the good person win over the bad person but that protagonist-antagonist relationship is played on and flipped on its head in this script. Because in this script, Erica, the new one, is the, the person that goes on into this pageant, which is has all of these reflections on colorism. She is this light-skinned woman who, because of her skin color, is the, the pageant folks think is going to have the best chance at winning the Miss Universe pageant. Meanwhile, Paulina, who is a darker skin tone, is left sort of sad and broken at the school. Uh, and, and so she is the one who is inevitably punished, but in this heartbreaking, sad way. Right, right. And and then and then Erica being the ending up becoming kind of the avatar for the corrupt system, um ends up carrying the weight of of some of our frustration with that system. Not not necessarily by virtue of her character because her character comes in and at least you know, surface level, and I think, and I think by her actions throughout the play, she's just trying. She's just trying to exist in this system, uh, and and she, which which is new for her because she didn't exist well in her previous system either because she's from Ohio and people knew that she had a father who was from Ghana and knew that, and so she wasn't a part of that group either because of racism in America. So so she's she's trying to negotiate these groups too. It's not like she enters in and. And, and we see her uh, devolve into an antagonist, and yet she becomes the avatar of the antagonistic system by going on to the Miss Universe pageant. Right, you're exactly right. She doesn't end up becoming this bad guy by virtue of all this stuff that happens with the pageant, because it's not really her fault, Right. It's not, and and it's it's pretty clear. Although I guess you, as an actor and a director, you could figure out if you think she's lying. I'm not. That's not my sense from the text. That that she claims she doesn't at the beginning, at least, doesn't really care about the pageant at all. She just saw the sign up uh, outside the office and was like, "Oh, sure, that sounds like it might be fun." Um, and, and so she signed up for it. And 
she ends up because of her skin color and the fact that she's a really good singer. She has a really winning personality. She ends up being the one selected. And that, I think you said it best, makes her this avatar for our frustrations with the racism, with the colorism, with the problems in beauty pageants in general. And of course, that's a reflection on the larger world. And as the avatar for us, for our frustrations, it's a very it's that's very hard because she's also yeah. the one who was being bullied and and the one who is the <laughs> kind one the good guy to Paulina's bad guy it, right it, it's very gray it gets very muddled and and interesting for how muddled it is because she shows up to the group and there's a, instantly a power shift and she instantly provides a different kind of friendship to the group <laughs> than the kind of friendship that Paulina is offering. She immediately invites them over so that they can uh, do each other's makeup and pra- practice for the pageant. Um, and and just notes uh, out loud uh, that, that Paulina is being real mean to some of these these people and kind of offers them especially this this takes place especially in the character of Ama who I've mentioned is uh Paulina's kind of wing woman she is her best friend uh or at least within the status of the group um and uh and she's the one that Paulina has uh has a significant uh, dirt on a significant secret that she's or rumor that she's spreading around or uh, about. Well, her. that's the thing, right? Is that the 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 tension between Paulina and Ama is coming partially just from the fact that Paulina is gossiping and lying about her. Exactly. In, in some of the other girls' cases, Paulina has something factual that she holds over them. Um, Nana being the most obvious example, she does. Uh, you know, have this sort of problem of overeating, or at least that's what Paulina says. But it's definitely true that she hides sweets and snacks, uh, which is not allowed at the school. So she has this sort of real thing that she holds power over Nana. But in Ama's case, Paulina has just made something up. Right. <laughs> yeah. Just. 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 It feels like simply by virtue of. Uh, uh, of jealousy of the fact that she has this relationship with this this uh, with this guy and uh, and she she seems to like him um, and so she kind of uh, right away uh, she she begins kind of sowing the seeds of of well he uh, uh, Polina says well he came up and danced with me at the last dance for for you know a good chunk of the dance so she's she's working away at Ama's self confidence and Ama jumps ship very early when Erica shows up when yeah, she the, sees that sort of the end media res for the audience is that this this tension between Paulina and Ama is already going on. The rumor about her having slept, Ama having slept with her boyfriend, is something that has already been started. Their relationship is already beginning to fray. And in the initial scene with all the girls together in the cafeteria, you see that already start to happen. Uh, I think Paulina at one point ends up saying something like, like, what's your problem? Uh, Because Ama is already challenging her, poking some holes in the kind of regular the regular lies, the regular power plays that Paulina uses. So when Erica arrives, that relationship between Paulina and Ama is already fraught to fall apart. 
Right, right, and it, and it does almost almost instantly. Ama jumps onto Erica's uh, kind of friendship and the offer of 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 help with the pageant, and and at least it seems like uh, a little bit more egalitarian help around the pageant, um, and and it and the the preparation for it to the point that I think the second or third scene we know that most of the characters have been off getting ready for the pageant as a group, and Polina is alone in the cafeteria prepping her her like. Her, her pageant monologue. Yeah, and, and so because we know prior to Erica entering the play that Polina is already so mean to her friends that her meanness is commented by the group. Whenever Paulina leaves the stage, the girls are always like, I'm so sorry, I didn't, you know, I didn't mean to be that mean to you. I just have to be on her good side because of all these different things. Uh, and so the group, especially the relationship with Ama, but the group is fraught already to fall apart. And when Erica arrives with this winning personality, with all these uh, uh, insights into American life, with real dresses, with real American beauty products and, and things like that, the group shifts to Erica very quickly. And Paulina feels like, oh, they've abandoned me, they've done wrong. But as the audience, we have a little bit of dramatic irony in the sense that we know the problem really was with how Paulina treated the friend group and not necessarily with Erica coming in and stealing them. Right, right. Especially scenes two and three, you get you get a big uh, dose of that kind of poetic justice, um, as as like, oh, you've you've clearly misstepped with this friend group, and now look, they've all left you. Um, uh, so there there is that 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 sort of uh, that that tropey justice there. It's really in the the latter part of the play that the the roles begin to get reversed, and some of that reversal is in the character of Eloise, who, if I think there is just a character that is hard to like in this play <laughs> um, that there are very few redeeming qualities about it's Eloise who kind of rides in to the school. This is her, her school from growing up. Um, she was at the school with mistress France had mistress Francis. And you kind of get that same, uh, a mean girls trope of the previous generation is, is still walking around. They were the mean girls before. And, uh, and now it's, it's showing back up and her Eloise's priority is to, is to win this, this pageant and to be the person who found the girl who wins the pageant um, be because there, there's an altruistic reason in uh, that she presents of the the school will get money the nation will get notice and and new new uh, norms will be forged that will help all the girls in Ghana and there's also a very personal uh, motive as well which is if she finds the girl she will get more money so there will be a big payday and she'll likely have a higher chance of of uh, of buying and 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 running the Miss Ghana pageant. Yeah, she's got this motive of wanting this promotion, which she is going to get if she is the one who recruits the 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 girl who will go on to eventually win for the first time the Miss Universe pageant for Ghana. And so you you mentioned the sort of dualistic she she uses the tactic of altruistic motives. The school gets money, the community gets money, it's good for the girl, it's good for me, it's good for Ghana as a country in terms of our representation, it's good for West Africa, it's good for the world. She's got that that altruistic claim that is her tactic to win over the headmistress who seems a little less um, 
maybe self-involved as someone like always. The, the headmistress seems to genuinely care about the school, and the school, we learn, is losing money fairly quickly. Apparently, the test scores haven't been so good recently, and so for a school that's kind of whole thing is being one of the best educations in Ghana. That's undermining their funding. And so apparently the headmistress has to put a whole bunch of her money into the school to keep it going. And so Eloise uses this, the fact that the headmistress has this sort of deep love for the school and the community to get what she wants, all the while having this, I want promoted, I want to run the Miss Ghana pageant kind of in, in the backdrop. And it's it's through Eloise that we get the kind of the biggest cards held and power play of the of the of the whole script. We've already mentioned that she's talking about money for the school. Um, we've already mentioned that she wants to have this this pageant go through for some of her own personal benefits. Um, but also when the truth comes to light that Erica would in fact not qualify as per the rules of the pageant. Um, she's the one who says that we're going to sweep this under the rug because I still need Erica for this pageant. And she gets everyone on board by the power that we've already talked about. She gets headmistress Francis on board by the virtue of this is going to be good for the school and you're not going to talk about it. Um, she gets uh, Paulina on board by virtue of you could maybe go next year and I'd be happy to put a good word in for you. But if you bring this up to anyone... I'm not going to do that. I'll be sure that you don't get into it next year. So so it's a it's a big power move via Eloise. And really, uh, Erica does not get to the pageant without Eloise saying, we're going to bury this. We're going to, you know, kind of play, lean into the system for the greater good, altruistically, but lean into the system <laughs> to and 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 be a part of this objectifying of colorization of women and so so that her goals can be met. And what you just mentioned is an example uh, of why Jocelyn Bio did such a great job writing the characters in this play because this is this is in in the sense of it being sort of well made it, the, all these different characters goals, all these different characters desires, all these things that this group of women is after come together in this one moment where for all different reasons they have to get on the same page and pursue the same thing. Jocelyn Biela writes these wonderfully unique characters that have very specific personalities, very specific conflicts, and she's also crafted a story where in that climactic decision-making moment, what are we going to do? All of them, for their own reasons, have to make the same decision one after the other. And that becomes part of the drama is watching how is this person who wants this going to get on board with this and watching someone like Eloise and even Erica does it to some extent because, of course, she wants to go uh, manipulate the situation so that all these different decisions and goals come together to make the same path forward. Right, right. No, it's fascinating, especially especially from the uh, taking taking two characters who have opposite views standpoint. Right, like this is it's 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 forcing them into the same river. And even 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 though you know that maybe this wasn't exactly how this one character wanted it, you know it's not how this one character wanted. It, and yet they're all in the river now, moving towards something something new. So that after this decision-making moment, all these characters coming together, that's the end of what's called part three. And we go into this section called the epilogue, which is at least two months later. 
And because of all the fighting, there's been record stealing, there's been detention breaking, there's been lies told and rumors spread and all that, many of the characters have ended up with detention. And uh, they, they did get to stay at the school, which was a, a fairly large question in the earlier part of the play. But now we're two months later, their detentions have been served, they're finally kind of getting to hang out again. And the, the situation, the special occasion that brings them all to the cafeteria, their friendship group is fairly broken, so it takes a special occasion for them to come together again. And the special occasion is the Miss Universe pageant. In the time that we skipped between part three and the epilogue, um, Erica has won the Miss Ghana pageant, gone on to the Miss Universe pageant, and they are watching on television the selection of who is going to place. And I love, this is the kind of detail that's so great to take from real life, because I think in imagining a story from the ground up, uh, writers might be tempted to make it about like who wins the pageant. But it's, it's so real and so heartbreaking to just care about who places. Right. Right. Yeah. No, that's that's the that's the like hope for them is that she'll she'll continue into there. And just that just that she kind of makes it into these top 10, just the top 10 folks um, uh, uh, of the women who are in, in the pageant. And and so they're all gathered around and we learn a lot in that scene. We learn that Paulina has basically been secluded during this time, that she's uh, become a, a very apologetic, um, especially for her character. She's written two letters to uh, Ama and Nana kind of apologizing to which they haven't responded to. But also and, explaining away the very public accusation about Erica not really being from Ghana. Right. That she was sort of forced to do by her agreement with the pageanting. She had to kind of go around and explain, oh, no, 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 I just, I just made that up. Well, what's, that's not really true. Right. It's kind of sweeping that under the rug. And she shows up um, very different to this gathering. She's very subdued. She doesn't uh, she doesn't uh, laugh along with the other the others in the group. There's something fundamentally shifted in her in yeah, this we time. Learn, of seclusion. Like she's having trouble getting out of bed. She's never seeing anyone. I mean, she's got the kind of classic symptoms of depression and yeah. she's been moved away from her friend group's dorms. This is a, a private sleepaway school. I don't know if we've said that. Uh, and she's moved into what they call the delinquent dorm. Yeah, yeah, ver vernacularly they call it the delinquent <laughs> dorm. The school doesn't call it that, but <laughs> but yeah, we know that she's 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 definitely having a rough time and that she's been in seclusion from the group. And that's what makes I, I think the weight of those that that late uh, you mentioned it way back at, at at the synopsis, Jacob, just the weight of what they um grapple with when Erica loses. The the sense of you know what was all of this for? Uh, the the last scene has has uh, headmistress Francis trying to uh, uh, save the save the mood a little bit, or at least uh, put it into perspective by saying that um, you know at least it's great that you saw one of your classmates on television. Maybe next year things will be different. And then uh, they say <laughs> the response to that is Polina saying, "Yeah," Amma saying, "Maybe." And then uh, Mercy saying, so all of that for what? And then uh, <laughs> Nana saying, all for nothing. Paulina replying, all for nothing. 
Um, so that is the that's the weight that I think Polina goes on the journey that Polina goes on is this discovery of the all of all of what happened that explosion during the pageant all of the relationships wrecked all of all of this uh, this strife over this pageant and here we are you know ten. 10 people got nominated to to the Miss Universe pageant and Erica was not one of them. All of what we just went through, all this strife was for nothing. And and so poignantly and and heartbreakingly the play ends with the host of the Miss Universe pageant saying, "And we're back folks with the top 10 most beautiful women in the world." And right. the the majority of the women selected or based on country were white. Um, yeah. Even the South African woman who was selected was a white South African woman. And to end with that line, these are the top 10 most beautiful women in the world, is a, it's kind of a painful way to end uh, a fairly yeah. funny play throughout. Right, right. It, it really brings brings to uh, the forefront the underlying current of this play, which is that this is a play about these girls' lives. It is a play about interactions at school. It is a play about those dynamics. It's a play about beauty pageants. It's certainly a play about public perception and the brokenness of our system around colorism and around uh, the, the perception of, of beauty in those systems. So why do you think Paulina carries so much pathos in that final scene, even given that she is um, she's she's you know, she is in the mean girl setup, as we've talked about the bad guy. She's the mean girl. She's the bully mean to all of her friends. And yet at that that final moments of the play, really even beginning with when Erica and Eloise leave and the headmistress and Paulina are left and Paulina is sobbing. She, really from that moment, maybe even a little earlier than that, she carries the weight of being the one who was hurt by these proceedings in a significant way. We really feel for her. Right. There's We, we learn some uh, just character-based things that I think affect that. We know that her her family is is kind of a rough situation. We know that her family unit isn't isn't the greatest, that she doesn't really know her father, that, she's, that she, she has like 10 brothers and sisters and they're all from different fathers and most of them are from different fathers. We learn a lot of, of things that would evoke pity for, for her character. But I also think it's it's kind of what our conversation was earlier around that the true antagonist of this play is a system and and the characters in it are 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 variably swept up or hurt or benefiting from that system but it is it is it is the the system that eventually crushes Paulina that despite all of her best efforts despite all of her machinations she she can't of course she can't uh resist this big system that's around her and it is what uh eventually sub- subdues her to the, to the greatest extent is that she tried as hard as she could. She even like technically she, she I mean, if we're looking at this in, in like a competitive game, she won, right? She, she proved that Erica was not from the country. She should be disqualified from the pageant and the system. And, and that, I mean, that's, that's, that's mean and awful, but, um, but the system said, no, that rule that you found, that truth does not apply. You do not apply. And I'm going to crush that from you yeah, and, think, and move I, on. I think there's even a very specific line where the headmistress and Eloise is sort of making the case, this works out for everybody. Everybody wins. And the headmistress says, well, Paulina doesn't win. And I think Eloise says, well, who cares about, oh, 
Right. And then she tries right. to spin it. I mean, that's a very clear representation of the system crushing Paulina. And, and I also don't think that we should set aside so easily those character details that we learn about Paulina. The fact that we learn very late in the play the new information about Paulina coming from uh, desperate poverty um, and and managing to be in this situation in the school is important for our uh, our empathy towards her. But it's also important in the subversion of the teenage mean genre, right? Because the the bully character in Mean Girls is fabulously wealthy, and the bully character in these genres typically very wealthy. And so when we learn that she has not had the privilege of wealth. That is a character detail that that changes how we understand her. But also, and we've mentioned this a little bit, I think we see Paulina get the comeuppance that we believe she deserves a little earlier in the play. Really before Eloise and the headmistress come in for the auditions, Paulina is pretty roundly rejected by her friend group for the way that she has treated them and for the lies that she has told, which are being exposed primarily because Erica has knowledge about America enough to expose her lies, the White Castle lie, the the dresses that she gets that are supposedly really just from China town, which means they're knockoffs. Uh, the fact that she really doesn't have a boyfriend on the soccer team. She's been lying about that. Plus all the other rumors. Paulina is really clearly rejected by the group for how badly she has acted. And so it seems to me that that becomes a moment where we feel the sort of apt justice for how we've seen Paulina act. And now the the punishments start to sort of stack up to a point where they become overbearing. I mean, she rubs that that, uh, bleaching cream on her face and it begins to blister and her face begins to bleed on stage. I mean, that's horrifying. All to meet the qualifications of the system so that she can lighten her skin. And even even that, even that extreme that she goes to is not enough to please the system. Like all 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 the way through, we see that the system has no regard for her. I love that you brought up the scene with Eloise saying it because because she's in the room with Paulina when she says, "Oh, who cares about?" and catches herself and looks at Paulina and says, "I mean, this." Is so so that it really is a personification of in that moment, Eloise is the personification of the system saying, "Well, ah, just who cares about that?" Despite the fact that Paulina has done so much, survived so much to come to this moment and is actively doing so much to try to try to overcome it. Well, I think that is probably about all the time that we have. I, I, I Look, I know a lot of you love Mean Girls out there. If you like <laughs> Mean Girls, get a hold of this place. See it maybe when it comes back to the Goodman. See if you can find a production near you. This is a lot better script than Mean <laughs> Girls. <laughs> Whoa! It's, yeah. uh, it's, no, it's no, no, just no. better. It's just better. So please <laughs> check out Schoolgirls or the African Mean Girls play by Jocelyn Bio. And when you do, we'd love to get the chance to continue this conversation with you out there. We love getting to talk about scripts, but the conversation continues and could easily continue about this play uh, after after the podcast. So uh, if you've seen it, if you've been in it, if you've read it, you're looking for someone to talk about it with, find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at the username at NoScriptPodcast. That'll be the, the, the easiest, kind of best way to get a hold of us. We also have a Gmail, NoScriptPodcast at gmail.com. Find us on any of those sites, and we'd love to keep talking about this play with you. 
you. Absolutely. We made some exciting announcements at the beginning of the episode. We've got the pair of episodes coming up about Doll's House and Doll's House Part 2. We've got a special guest episode after that and the end of the season coming very quickly after that. If you want to recommend this podcast to your family and friends, you better do it quick because we've only got so many more episodes in Season 5 <laughs> and then they got to wait for the appearance of Season 6. So get on it. You can send them to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Podbean, where we are hosted. If you're connected with us on Facebook, you can find a link to the new episode every Monday just posted on our Facebook page. So until next week when we're talking about another play, I am Jackson Nikolai. I am Jacob Mann Christensen. Thank you so much for joining us for No Script, the podcast. We'll see you.